Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Stories That Change Us. Today, I'm interviewing Robin. So, Robin, tell us about yourself. Hi, Maris. Yeah, uh, so my name is Robin. I'm 35 years old, and I'm a California girl, born and raised. I am a wife and a mother. Uh, I'm a mother to a beautiful five-year-old boy. I've been in healthcare finance for the last 15 years. I enjoy reading and singing, and I love animals. That's amazing, Robin. (laughs) So Robin is going to tell us all about her addiction and mental health journey today. Do you mind starting us off with that today? Yeah, absolutely. So around the age uh, of four, I experienced some pretty traumatic events um, that would last through my childhood and adolescence. Um, A lot of emotional and physical abuse. Uh, When I was younger, there was also an element of sexual abuse and molestation that it was really, as I said, it was traumatic. And around age four, I developed a binge eating disorder. It was, uh, I found comfort in food. And so it became my primary coping mechanism. And uh, I was first diagnosed with depression around the age of 12. uh, And I was put on an antidepressant called Celexa. I don't remember, I don't remember any side effects, but I also don't remember it having much of an effect at all. Mm. Um, and I struggled with my weight and because of the people that I was around, namely, um, my father who was my abuser, um, I was consistently teased about my weight. Mm. And it was something that I believed was the cause of my depression. In fact, I believed it was the cause of most of the problems in my life. And so I had the false belief that if I were thin, my life would be better. I wouldn't be depressed. So at the age of 21, I decided to have the gastric bypass surgery. At the time, I was 320 pounds and had been... Um, being treated for type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure for uh, since I was 17 years old. So I had the gastric bypass at 21. I lost more than 100 pounds, and I was feeling much better about myself. However, what I didn't anticipate with the weight loss was the amount of attention that I was going to have to endure, not Mm -hmm. only with the weight loss, people commenting on it, but people who previously would not have given me the time of day Mm -hmm. were paying attention to me, specifically men. And I didn't know how to handle those interactions. And unfortunately, in the beginning, I was under the impression that any kind of attention meant that this person genuinely liked me. Mm, Yeah. So obviously we know that that's not the case. Uh, it took me a while to learn that. So one of the things that happened during this transition, during my weight loss, obviously I was not able to turn to my primary coping mechanism of food. Unfortunately, the cross addiction that occurred was, uh, out to alcohol. Uh, I started drinking because I was uncomfortable around people with this newfound attention. 
and alcohol was uh, an easy way not only to loosen up around people, but what I noticed was when I when I wasn't drinking, and obviously I wasn't able to eat, I wasn't just depressed, I was anxious. Like it felt like I had an internal engine inside of me that was revved up to 10, you know, and alcohol immediately, immediately put the brakes on that and would calm me down. Of course, it's a central nervous system depressant. That's what it does. And that's what it did. And it worked and Mm -hmm. it became, I'm obviously not a good coping mechanism, but certainly an effective one. Unfortunately, it led to more issues. You know, um, I'm currently a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we talk about wreckage that our drinking creates. And while I was drinking, I created a lot of wreckage, and that fed into my already pre existing mental health issues. So the depression became worse, the anxiety became worse. Um, There was so much so many feelings that I was trying to stuff down that I couldn't accurately describe even what I was feeling. And that was, that was challenging because I couldn't express what my needs and wants. So whenever I was around anybody, I had no boundaries. I couldn't speak up for what I wanted. Um, I couldn't voice my concerns. Um, And it really did become burdensome. So this whole time I'm seeking mental health um, treatment inconsistently. I had been prescribed multiple SSRIs or selective serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors or an SNRI, which is the um, serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. Nothing seemed to work. Of course, I was drinking this whole time as well. So, you know, I was depressing myself. The medication was probably not effective. Um, I did stop drinking when I got pregnant with my son. And uh, I had a healthy pregnancy, thank goodness, and a healthy delivery. And after my son was born, I noticed the anxiety more than I ever had. It had always been there, but at this point I wasn't able to drink it away. Um, And it scared me. There were times where I would wake up in the morning and there was a feeling that something was wrong. Something bad was going to happen. And I was terrified. I would wake up in the morning completely terrified and I didn't know why. And that's debilitating when you have to get your son ready to go to daycare and you have to get yourself ready to go to work. And it became very difficult to manage my life. And unfortunately, I started drinking more. And um, whenever I would drink, bad things would happen because I can't control myself when I drink. And through the pandemic, I tried to stay sober as much as possible. However, my anxiety 
So during the pandemic, I tried to stay sober as much as possible, um, but it became clear that I needed some help. The anxiety was worse than it had ever been. And these feelings of terror and I can't even describe it, like impending doom, Hmm. something bad was going to happen. And I, you know, I couldn't put my finger on it. Hmm. And so I, I decided to seek consistent help. And it was then that I was able to find uh, both a psychiatrist and a psychologist Um, I was prescribed the right cocktail of medication, which took about a year. Yes. uh, Of adjustments and changing medication to find the right combination of drugs. Um, Weekly meetings with my therapist, including a handful of adjunct meetings that I needed in between to manage crises. Um, I finally received diagnosis, diagnoses, um, anxiety, treatment resistant depression, and PTSD. And the PTSD diagnosis was based on the trauma that I experienced as a child. Because despite what I had been told growing up, it did happen. And it was that bad. Mm. Um, And it's not something that I get into with too many people, but sufficient to say that childhood trauma is trauma, Yeah, you know, and things that happen to us when we're very young absolutely affect our development and growth as we get older. Um, so that's pretty much it. Um, I've arrived at my current cocktail of meds and my current, uh, yeah, my current, uh, garden of diagnoses. <laughs> so that's, a uh, that's my journey so far. Thank you so much for sharing Robin. Um, tell us about how you're recovering right now. So I have a multi-part recovery because okay. I have, uh, it's very important that I have recovery on different levels. Yeah. So I have my emotional sobriety, my emotional recovery, um, and my mental health recovery that I'm working, uh, working toward in a outpatient hospitalization program. Mm -hmm. It's an intensive therapy program based on um, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is uh, geared toward emotional dysregulation and interpersonal effectiveness. And these techniques that we learn help me in my um, dealing with people on a daily basis, coping with my own emotions and these feelings that I have. Um, Also with the diagnosis of treatment resistant depression, I've been able to secure a therapy called Spravato. And it is a prescription esketamine treatment. So it is a psychedelic. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, long story short, I go into my psychiatrist's office and I trip balls for about 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I got to tell you, it completely saved my life. Really? Yes. It wasn't a cure for anything. You know, the ebb and flow of bad things in life is never going to end, but it feels like a dark veil has been lifted from over my eyes. It feels Mm -hmm. like before Spravato, I was looking at the world through this very dark 
lens, this very depressive sort of state. And now I see things for what they really are. And it's, you know, that doesn't make it all good. Yeah. It does make it more manageable, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so there was this bravado treatment. There's the outpatient hospitalization. And then the last part of my, um, my recovery is I'm, like I said, I'm a sober, grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I work my program wholeheartedly and willingly. And I, I work with my sponsor and um, I go to meetings frequently. And it's something that I don't think I could live without. Wow. Yeah. It is absolutely invaluable, not only to my sobriety, but to my way of living. This program gives me a way of living sober. Wow. Yep. Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty much the, all the parts of my recovery. Wow. Thank you. Mm. Um, so what advice would you give to others struggling with the same thing? Yeah. The first thing is ask for help. You have to talk to somebody. There's no shame in needing help. There's no shame in mental illness. Um, just the same way as there's no shame in having a broken arm or a broken leg. My brain needs some pharmaceutical help right now. And I need some emotional help right now. And so that's what I'm getting. And if you're feeling like something's wrong or your life has become in some way unmanageable, it's okay to ask for help. Definitely. Your first line should be your primary care physician, you know, make an appointment and just say, Hey doc, I'm struggling. I'm feeling anxious about X, Y, Z, or I'm blue all the time. I find myself crying frequently. Um, and you know, sometimes depression doesn't always look like depression, especially in men. It comes out as anger. You know, some men, uh, especially because they're told that it's not okay to cry. So they get frustrated and they get angry and they lash out when in reality, they're depressed. Mm. And it's important to talk to people about this. It's important to talk to your doctor and make them aware because there is help out there. Yep. And the other thing that I'd like to highlight is the idea of self-compassion. Dr. Kristen Neff, who I'm very uh, familiar with and um, really admire her work, is this idea of self-compassion, which is different than self-esteem. It's not the thought that, oh, I'm great despite everything. It's more of the thought of, I am a whole person worthy of compassion and love And I can make mistakes and have the opportunity to fix them. And the way that I like to look at it um, and the way that she describes it is if you had a close friend going through the same situation, how would you approach them? Right. So, you know, would you go up to a friend who is struggling and say, wow, what a loser, grow a pair, you know? No, you'd go up to them and put your arm around them and, hey, it's okay. And even if they made a mistake, hey, you know, tomorrow's another day. You don't have to make the same mistake again. For sure. You know, and that is something that's been, um, that I would recommend to anybody. And of course, uh, the resources, I'll make the resources available to you so you can include them. 
Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. So what good things have come from your recovery? Oh my gosh. So many blessings. I can't, my sobriety, uh, my recovery. I think the biggest thing that I've got from this is a sense of self, Hmm. something that I didn't have when I was drinking because I was running from who I was. I was afraid that I was bad. I was afraid that I was broken, that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't whole. And none of these things are true. And in my recovery, what I'm realizing is I'm not a perfect person. I don't have to be. There is nobody but me to set my standards. I don't have to live up to what anyone thinks I should do or be. And that has been freeing. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, I have an internal stability today that, you know, it's probably due to the meds, but it's also, I would attribute it to practicing mindfulness, Mm. you know, when things are going crazy and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I can always take a step back and say, you know what, what's the next indicated step? What's just the very next thing I need to do. I don't need to think about everything right now. I just need to think about the very next thing that I need to do. And it's my life is manageable, more manageable than it ever has been. That's incredible. Yes. And it's due to the willingness to step back and be still and, you know, look at it from a different point of view. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. And what's one positive thing happening happening in your life right now? Well, I uh, have gone back to school. That's awesome. Yeah, I am studying neuroscience. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm super excited uh, about this journey. And I have a a big passion for mental health, and specifically the psychedelic uh, assisted psychotherapy. That is something that I'd really like to delve into more as I I, uh, progress through my studies. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Robin, for joining us today. And Robin has provided a list of resources in the description box below. Thank you so much for listening to the Stories That Change Us podcast. Follow us on Instagram and see you for the next episode. Thank you.